Hello, welcome to Midweek Mom Talk. I'm Dr. Jackie, owner of Motion Spot LLC and Motion Spot Pediatrics. I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving break and we are swiftly moving into the winter holiday season. Most recently, I've been talking to you about my baby's four month sleep regression and my toddler's tantrums, especially first thing in the morning. So I've been trying to get both of these phases to end as soon as possible because my eyes are heavy, my ears are ringing, and my entire body is completely exhausted. As you might know, many childhood stages are phases that come and go, some easier than others, but ultimately they should pass as I've mentioned in previous episodes. Now the thing is, knowing something is temporary does not mean that you can't try your best to ease it or make it end a little faster. Especially in this case when my sanity is at stake, I am willing to try different things. The lack of sleep gives me very limited patience to handle the tantrums, so we decided to try tackling the toddler tantrum first. No real reason why we chose this first. We kind of just went with what felt like a less tolerable problem, but more practical one to fix. So anyway, what we noticed was that my son becomes a totally different human when he is hungry versus after he has something to eat. And especially after waking up, he can go from being a happy kid in the morning to king of tantrum town within 10 minutes and even quicker after a nap during the day. I think it's pretty safe to say that he did in fact inherit my hanger So one day my husband said to me, if only we could just give him food immediately when he wakes up. And then we both had that light bulb moment. Wait a minute. Why can't we? Why can't we just do that? And that's what we've been doing. When he wakes up from his night's sleep or a nap, we immediately give him something to eat right there in his room, a banana or a string cheese, something that won't make crumbs or is too messy. Or at least, you know, something that shouldn't make crumbs or be too messy. You never really know with toddlers. And I must say, this worked immediately, like instant significantly fewer morning tantrums and much happier after waking up from his nap definitely takes less time for him to come out of the post-nap crankiness our mornings especially are much smoother and easier to navigate which is huge for me since i take the mornings on myself three days a week so to get both kids and everything and everyone ready by myself for drop-off, having to do that without navigating a tantrum as well for my toddler is huge. Speaking of drop-off, one way I know that I am currently in a state of dysregulation and sensory overload, I usually drive while listening to 
music, either like Spotify or something, or the radio, but lately I've been driving in silence whether or not my kids are with me. The only noise will be if my toddler's in the car and I'm talking to him about his day or something or he's talking to me about something. Otherwise, I've just been driving in silence even if they're not in the car. And I think that is very, very telling of my current state, my, my sensory system, my, my nervous system. Okay, so now, eating first thing in the morning before even leaving his room, is this the best habit that we've created? Maybe not, especially if the snack that we give him he eats in bed. But honestly, while he's in the tantrum age, I would rather find a way to decrease that behavior at the expense of potentially replacing it with a new routine that we'll one day have to get rid of. But that's how bad the tantrums are. Like, I'm willing to create a replacement habit that's not so great. But it's also, it's not like it's the worst habit in the world. Like, it's nothing that is you know, interrupting any of our our sanities or anything like that. It's, you know, you maybe don't want to eat in the bed, but every now and then it's acceptable to do. And I think this is one of those times that it is acceptable. When I am deeply sleep deprived, especially if you throw dehydrated on top of it, I absolutely have no energy in reserve and no patience to be a good mom for my son when he's having one of those prolonged tantrums or meltdowns. So for us, this definitely is the best solution. And the way that I know that it works instantly, sometimes, you know, you do something, you're like, oh, is that a coincidence or did it actually work? So one way that we know that this actually worked my husband once actually forgot to bring a snack when our son woke up and sure enough within that 10 to 15 minutes there was a tantrum of some kind and then my husband was like oh shoot I I forgot the snack I forgot the food just a quick side note it's not like this is an absolute foolproof method like there have been times where we bring him his banana and string cheese and he just takes one bite of each but for whatever reason he woke up in a bad mood or maybe he didn't sleep well or he's not feeling well something like that in which case even a snack in the morning is not going to be so helpful because he woke up already unhappy or or grumpy or you know whatever just like anyone any adult might wake up in bad moods sometimes but when he wakes up in a good mood that is when having this morning snack is truly truly helpful because he woke up in that good mood and then I guess his blood sugar dropped from being hungry so that's why that tantrum starts within 10 minutes Now, the problem and why we bring the food to him instead of going downstairs is that by the time we get downstairs in the kitchen to eat, it just ends up being too late. And my son is long into the tantrum, blinded by rage, as they say, and will not eat because he is so worked up and hangry, which is why the food is brought to him. He eats And then the rest of the morning routine continues, like changing out of the night diaper and pajamas, getting dressed, brushing teeth, and his favorite part, running to say hi to his baby sister, which is often how she wakes up for the day. And also, 
is something that he just needs. That's his way of also getting just this quick shot of happiness. He loves, loves hanging out with his baby sister, which feels like the perfect time and way to transition now into talking about what she has been going through and what we've been dealing with 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 her for her four-month sleep regression. I remember my son's was horrid. I also remember that he was a bad sleeper just overall. Like, he wouldn't even go down until around midnight for his first stretch of sleep, and thankfully she usually will go down around 7.30 or 8 o'clock. But lately, our issue hasn't been so much the going to sleep part as much as the staying asleep Once she is sleeping, I have absolutely no idea how long she's going to be asleep for at night. Naps are a totally different, you know, thing. Forget about naps right now. We're just talking about the night sleep. I could have her down at 8 o'clock and some nights she won't wake up until midnight or 1 a.m. Other times she'll wake up at 10 or 11 p.m. So there's just really no consistency lately. And you know what? scratch that there has been consistency in that she's been waking up every hour or sometimes every 20 to 30 minutes and it's just not sustainable for me like when that happens I really try not to wake my husband up whenever she wakes up at night regardless of how frequently she's waking up because he has to go to work he has to go to the office but even if it's a day that he's working from home or if it's on a weekend I kind of just feel like okay, well, I'm going to be tired either way, so if I let him sleep, at least we'll have one of us who had a full night's sleep, but lately, it's just been such frequent wake-ups that by 3 or 4 a.m., when I've already been up since midnight, I need to wake him up, and I need him to help me, or just hold her for like five minutes while she cries, so I can close my eyes for five minutes. So it's been really unsustainable. It's definitely affecting my moods. I'm just exhausted and sometimes feel just like gray. I don't want to say depressed. I think that's kind of an extreme way to describe it. But, you know, I'm just completely depleted of of energy and I haven't been sleeping. And again, like I said before, when you throw then dehydration on top of it, since I do nurse her and I'm not always replenishing my fluid intake based on you know how often she's eating so it's a lot to balance so what we decided to do then was to start quote-unquote sleep training her and that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people we're not doing anything too extreme right now she is in my eyes only five months old at this point some people would say oh she's already five months old she should be sleeping through the night no problem so I, I, you know, that's great. Thank you. That's a really, really helpful comment for you to make when you ask me how she's sleeping and I tell you that she's not. Appreciated. So, what we decided to do, so what I, what was happening before was that she would wake up and regardless of the time, I would take her pretty much as soon as possible because, again, I don't want my husband to wake up from her noise. So I will take her, I'll nurse her, and then what often ended up happening was just that we would both fall asleep in the bed together. And the problem is I don't find this comfortable. For me, like I'm not able to get a true sleep this way. And I was also starting to wonder if having her in bed with me actually just caused her to 
wake up more frequently. She wouldn't like full on wake up, but she would be searching for the boob to latch onto and either eat a little bit or just to suckle and have some comfort, you know? So that would wake me up. And so I was wondering like, okay, maybe she's kind of like smelling the milk and just trying to get latched on just for the sake of being latched on. And then if she wouldn't latch, then she would full-blown wake up. So it was kind of, I don't know, whatever. But I also just, even if she slept the whole night, I was not comfortable. Like, I I don't know. Some people are great sleeping like that, co-sleeping. Personally, it's not for me. I love the snuggles, but I'm just not able to sleep a full night that way. So what we decided to do was have the sleep training process be that we're going to not take her as quickly. I th- And the pediatrician said that that was fine to do as well, that if she makes noise, you know, we don't have to run to her so quick. We could give her a minute or two. So with my son, we ended up using what they call the Ferber method, which some people equate to the crying out method, but it's not just as plain as, you know, putting them in bed and letting them scream until they fall asleep. But we don't do that. And although we started it earlier with my son, I have been reading that it's harder the longer you wait. So right now I'm really just in a state of total sleep deprivation. So I need something. So I'm willing to try this even though she is significantly younger than my son was when we started trying to quote unquote sleep train him. So with the Ferber method, what we do is put the baby down and then if she is crying, we will comfort her we'll go in in increasing increments of time. So first we'll go in in at like a minute or so of her crying. We'll go in, we'll comfort her. We won't pick her up if if we can avoid that. We'll just, you know, rub her belly, tell her that we love her, maybe, you know, put our hands on her head or on her cheek, things like that just to really, really comfort. And we'll do that just for like, 30 seconds to a minute and then we will step away again sometimes we leave the room fully other times we don't since she's in a bassinet and she can't see us she can't stand up obviously so then if she cries again then we'll wait you know three minutes and then five minutes before comforting her so basically just prolonging how long we um wait before we go in and comfort her so that should help her to kind of start learning to soothe on her own and miraculously it took only 15 minutes twice we've done it now twice and each time it only took her 15 minutes to calm herself and again remember that in that 15 minute period it's not like she was screaming for 15 minutes we were going in and out of the room comforting her and she really did a very great job and by I would say even within like eight minutes of that time span she was calming down and then within the 15 minutes is when she fell asleep so we were doing this if she were to wake up before 1 a.m is what we decided to do so like I mentioned sometimes she was waking up at 10 p.m or 11 p.m so we decided that if she wakes up before 1 p.m we will do this Ferber method of getting her to self-soothe and go back to sleep since it was presumed that she was not hungry since she had just had her last meal of the day with a big nursing session. I've also been giving her an extra bottle before bed and we started giving her some food so she's been starting to have some cereal or oatmeal I guess you could call it 
for dinner or sometimes for like a later lunch, early dinner. So I know she's not hungry if she wakes up before 1. But by 1 a.m., if she wakes up around 1 a.m., I will nurse her and then put her down. And then if she wakes up before 3 or 4 a.m., then we'll do the Ferber again. Because again, she should not be hungry after 1 a.m. until like closer to the morning. So that's what we've been doing. It's been working in the sense that she only needed it twice before being able to sleep again going back to her sleeping until 1 a.m so it's an improvement like at this point I'm not expecting her to sleep through the night instantly I just want her to be able to soothe herself back to sleep when it's appropriate and realistic like I don't expect her to just suddenly drop the night feeds if she feels like she's not ready for that yet plus my body would not be ready for that either and that would hurt a lot since we're used to feeding so often through the night that then I would wake up probably covered in breast milk and engorgement and it would just not be great so we are taking a more gradual approach to that I'm not ignoring her at 1 a.m if she cries or at 3 or 4 a.m if she cries it's really just for the beginning stages of sleep and then uh, you know beginning of the night rather before that 1 a.m wake up and if she were to wake up between her 1 a.m. and morning feeds. That's what we've been doing. My husband is definitely more tired now because he used to be able to just do whatever, like go to bed whenever he would want and not even think that he would be woken up or have to wake up to do anything at night because I was taking care of it all. But now he actually is the one who's doing the quote-unquote training because especially at night, if I'm the one who goes in and comforts her, she'll cry more when I leave because she'll want booby time. She'll want to snuggle with me and latch. And that was the case with my son as well. When we were doing any sort of sleep training with him, my husband was the one who really had to be the one to go back into the room if needed. Because if I went in, that was it. He, My son would just want to get out of his bed and snuggle with me and latch and cuddle. And, you know, that's all well and good and that's really cute. And I loved it when it was appropriate. But when he really needs to be sleeping, he needs a different kind of comfort than what I would provide. So that's why my husband is the one who does these trainings with the sleeping. And during the day with naps, you know, I'm kind of on my own. And that's been a lot harder because I have even less consistency during the day with her schedule and with her naps sometimes she'll sleep on me and we'll do a contact nap and then it's like okay well do I risk putting her down and having her wake up or do I just keep her on me and at least it's like a little bit of quiet time that I can get some work done even if it is with one hand so that's something that I've been struggling with and you know trying to decide what's the better option so I have had her fall asleep in her bed for a nap like twice literally twice in the past month or so so I'm gonna try to do that more often at least once a day I would like her to nap in a bed but the problem I'm having there is that recently like the past week or two I tried that and she woke up within like five to ten minutes so I don't know if that's really considered progress or not especially then if she wakes up and then either she's cranky 
and will just be crying, screaming, and that's very hard to deal with. Or after like a quick power nap of five to ten minutes, she'll be up and ready to play. So either way, I can't get her back to sleep. So it's just been, you know, a game that we're playing right now to figure it out, figure out what's going on. But at least I am sleeping until 1 a.m. now. And more often than not, we don't have that morning tantrum to deal with. So that's where we're at at the moment with the stages and phases that both of my kids are in and how we're managing that together with two kids now, right? They both have their own needs. They're both in different stages of development, which sometimes is easier, sometimes is harder. You know, people are like, oh, well, with twins, you know, how could you deal with two? But the twin moms I know say like, yeah, you know, there are obviously times that are hard, but at least they're in the same developmental stage. So there is less of that guessing game of like, you know, where are they at developmentally? But on the other hand, when you have two who are different ages, yes, they are in different developmental stages, but sometimes the one stage that you know, one child in is an easier stage. So that makes dealing with, you know, the second child a bit easier when the first child is not going through a difficult stage, if that makes sense. I feel like I just said the word stage a lot and maybe that made it confusing, but I hope you understand what I mean and what I'm trying to say. I'll also add that when we first started that sleep training with my daughter, like the very, very first time we did it, she woke up at, I think it was 10.45 p.m. or so. And as much as I wanted to start this sleep training process because I know we needed to, I know how deprived I was of sleep, I missed her. I was crying. I was like, oh my gosh, like I just want to pick her up and comfort her and she'll stop crying. She'll stop screaming. She'll stop being sad or, you know breaking my heart with her noises. Motherhood is just like so weird in that way because all I wanted was sleep and I wanted her to be in her bed and I didn't want to have to take her out of her bed constantly to put her back to sleep. And now here we are working on a plan to hopefully solve this problem that we're having and I'm upset and I miss her and I miss having her snuggling with me, which is, you know, obviously I'm not trying to end the snuggles. I am trying to end the lack of sleep, but it just feels kind of, I'm not even sure if it's the guilt or what, but I guess you both, you know, both mom and baby kind of fall into this routine. And then when you're trying to break the routine, it is a bit upsetting at first, but motherhood is just wild like that. It's always contradictory. It's always just a lot of emotions and for sure a full-on roller coaster at all times. So next I want to talk about a completely different topic, but one that definitely makes sense to discuss on a show called Midweek Mom Talk, which airs on a station called 360 Talk Radio for Women. So in recent years, this concept of women supporting women has really blown up. I hear it everywhere and I see people attempting it all the time. I see it used as a defense for why, you know, something should have been done or shouldn't have been done. 
And I think the concept is great, you know, women supporting women overall. But I'll be honest, I am not a girl's girl. I've really never been a girl's girl, but I am a mom's mom. And what I mean by that is growing up, I didn't always get along with girls. I didn't have so many close girlfriends because they were just very gossipy and catty. And I just felt like I couldn't trust most of them. But I liked sports, so I got along well with boys, and boys don't care enough about anything really to gossip about it or other people, and I also felt that way through college. So now as an adult, I only have a couple of close friends from previous stages of life, a couple of close female friends, maybe one from high school, one from grad school, and then a few people who I loosely keep in touch with. That's not to say that I had like a lot of enemies, I think all humans not just girls but you know all people have people that they don't get along with or people who don't like them for whatever reason so I definitely had that but I wouldn't say you know just because I didn't have a lot of girl friends it's not like I didn't have friends or I had a lot of enemies I just mean that I never really felt like I fit in as well with the other girls and I think primarily it's because Maybe my interests were a bit different, but I also just felt like I really couldn't trust other girls. They didn't feel very trustworthy for me. And so now a majority of my current friends are moms. And that might just be because we're at the same place in life. We're in the motherhood era, some might say. But before motherhood, I would never say that... I'd, you know, vibe with someone or I'd get along with someone or I'd be someone's friend just because they're a woman. I wouldn't defend someone just because they're a woman. I wouldn't necessarily buy something from a company just because it's owned by a woman. That being said, I would never bash anyone or go out of my way not to buy from women-owned businesses. That's just silly, you know, but if a company had something that I wanted or needed, like, of course, I'll purchase it. I was just, it was never, like, at the forefront of my mind to kind of go out of my way to support other women or women-owned businesses. That's what I mean by, like, I was never a girl's girl. I never felt like, you know, because somebody is a particular sex or gender, that that meant that other people of that sex or gender had to you know, be friends with them or support them or whatever. I don't know. I just, whatever. That's just the point that I'm trying to make. But as a mom, I do find myself defending other moms, asking moms if they need help, if they're okay, if I see that, you know, they might be having a hard time or their child is acting up or something like that. I do try to support mom-owned businesses or mom-owned, you know, work, even if it's just by engaging with their social medias or, you know, messaging them and, you know, trying to start conversations and become friends with them. So I am finding myself doing that now. And I think it's safe to say that most moms are women and were once girls. I don't know if that's totally safe to say right now, but in general, I would say that that statement is pretty true. So what changed then? How did I go from being just a girl, not a girl's girl or like a woman's woman, to being a mom's mom? 
because I now definitely feel a more instant connection to someone who is a mother. That's not to say that every mom I meet suddenly becomes my best friend, but I have been able to make a lot more friends in adulthood who ha- and they have all been moms and it's all happened as I became a mom. And not only have I been able to make more friends once I entered motherhood, but I've been able to form really close friendships with these women. And this is just a realization that I've had kind of, you know, recently. So I'm finding that to be very interesting. What changed other than becoming a mom, right? Or, or was that really the only change that happened? And I think what it is, I think it is that, you know, I became a mom and so things changed. But what exactly? Not necessarily my personality so much, but I think what changed for me is that I can now empathize with other women in a way that I wasn't able to growing up. Right? Growing up, I loved sports. I really wasn't like a gossipy kind of person. I didn't like cattiness. I didn't like having like attention. I didn't try to put attention onto myself. I didn't, I, I wanted people that I could trust, but I really didn't have secrets that I would share with people. I'm sure I had some sort of secret that any middle schooler or high schooler would have, but I really didn't have anyone that I could trust to share these secrets with. And so I never felt close with people. But now as a mom, not that I have secrets, but you know, there are conversations that you need to have with other people just for sanity purposes. And I find that all moms or most anyway, moms, the moms that I've become friends with, we're all kind of on the same page in needing these conversations, in needing these outlets, and we trust each other with the information that we're sharing. And I think that is a big part of it. So now I'm able to empathize with people, but I've also found this group of people moms who I can trust and who I can finally relate to. But not only have I changed in that way, I'm now a mom, but perhaps also women and, you know, girls who I grew up with. Not I'm not saying individuals, like I'm not meaning like specifically people, but in generally people who are my age, right? I once grew up with people that age, my cohort, that's the word, my cohort were now moms and so perhaps other people have had this change as well where they are able to be vulnerable with one another and form trust perhaps they are now more trustworthy because they're also looking for that kind of a trusting relationship why am i talking about this i know it's very random but it just kind of popped into my head with thanksgiving and then black friday cyber monday giving tuesday and now the rest of the holidays coming i see people asking about where to shop and a lot of people want to shop small and that is great but in the past i really never understood why someone would specifically seek out a small business that's owned by a particular type of person when there are other things to consider when making purchases but i totally get it now when you're seeking out a business that has a particular owner or a specific ownership 
there's a good chance that you either see yourself in that person or maybe you can just understand their struggle and thus want to help and support them. Or at least that's how I feel with supporting other moms. I can resonate with their struggle, their exhaustion, and their why, their purpose, right? That's what I mean by their why, their purpose and reason for pushing forward. And I know that when I'm supporting a mom, specifically business-wise right now, but also in general, I help her support her kids. So if I need something and I have two options of where to get, right now I'm going to pick the mom-owned option, the mom-owned business. If I see a mom at the grocery store struggling to reach something, I'll offer to help even if I have my kids with me because I know what it's like to be struggling when you're out with your kids and maybe they're crying or they're pulling you in various directions or for me right now what happens often is that I'm carrying the car seat and you know the baby might be sleeping but I'm carrying the car seat and I'm carrying my toddler's things in my other hand and my toddler is walking essentially by himself and I'm trying to hold him but you know he's a toddler so he doesn't always want me to hold his hand or he'll run off or whatever or even if I'm not with him let's say I dropped him off ready and I'm just with my daughter I'll be holding the car seat with her in it and trying to open a door move something around or whatever and I'm always very grateful when somebody offers to help me. I don't always accept the help because I really don't always need it, but I always, always appreciate the offer and just the thought that somebody had to help me. I truly appreciate that. So I assume that other moms appreciate it when I help them as well, but I'm not doing it for their, you know, appreciation. I am doing it because I know that if they are struggling, then it's truly going to be helpful for them to have somebody, you know, give them a hand. Similarly, when I shop from mom-owned businesses, I know that they are grateful because when somebody supports my business, I am eternally grateful. I'm ecstatic. I'm so excited that somebody would trust me to use my business right now, you know, my OT practice, OTPT speech. So it's not so much of a tangible item so it's not that they're trusting my quality of you know work worksmanship I guess you could say but they are trusting me and my quality of ability my the quality of service that I provide so I'm very grateful that somebody would trust me in that way but I'm also grateful that somebody is helping me to support my family to support my kids and having clients is what gives me the opportunity to have this flexibility in my schedule, staying home with my baby primarily while also running my business simultaneously. I really don't know why this is all just popping into my head, but I thought it would be kind of interesting to talk about you know, maybe get you to think about your own self. Are you a girl's girl or have you been a girl's girl? Are you a mom's mom? None of the above, both, something else. I've 
Also, I've always kind of prided myself on not being a hypocrite, like in my beliefs, in my opinions. Like I know a lot of people who have various opinions, right? But they seem to be conflicting and almost like hypocritical with one another. Whereas most of my opinions I've noticed, I think kind of fall in line like politically they end up being opposite but logically they're stemming from the same frame of reference but here now with this whole girl's girl mom's mom thing i think this might be the first time that i have a more hypocritical like stance on it i guess even right now like i'm telling you that i'm a mom's mom through and through but i still can't say that i'm a girl's girl like i'm still not sure that i really M. So here's an example of why I think I'm a mom's mom but not a girl's girl still. I was dropping my son off at his daycare over the summer and at this point we had been there for about a month so we were still new but starting to recognize a few people and one of the families in the class was inviting everyone for an end of summer party and I was talking to the mom who mentioned that they did it last year too so I was under the assumption that this was something the kids and families in this class expected. And I basically just assumed that most people had already met one another and they knew each other. And I really didn't know who was new to the school and who was, who was not new, who's been going there for years. But I wanted to meet everyone, so I was excited to go. So anyway, I was planning to go to this party and as that party date approached i saw a mom from his class in the parking lot when she was doing drop off and at this point we had already bumped into each other previously so we definitely recognized one another's faces and knew the names of our respective sons like i knew her son's name she knew my son's name but i'm not sure that she knew my name and i'm almost positive i did not know her name but i said hi and i asked if they were going to the party and her response was no i'm not going to that kind of in a how could you even ask me that of course i'm not going to something so silly right that was like her tone of voice so that lack of girl's girl in me was like wow she is rude like what the heck not friendly at all and I remember telling my husband about that, too. I was like, wow, I can't believe that his mom is so rude. Like, whatever. But then a few minutes later, I realized, I guess, like, the mom's mom in me kind of came out. And I thought, wait a minute. She's a good, like, seven or eight months pregnant. She's definitely uncomfortable being seven or eight months pregnant. It is hot outside, which is for sure adding to her discomfort plus she has her toddler with her she's doing drop off maybe he was making trouble in the morning you know whatever and so that mom's mom and me i decided that's probably all that was probably she was just having herself a morning and you know did not feel like being bothered by somebody like me while i was there like all peppy because i know when i was pregnant and i was uncomfortable towards the end especially and someone was like super peppy in my face and i was just like Oh my god like leave me alone i'm not <laughs> i'm not in the mood for your for your pep and i think that the mom's mom and me ended up being right because after she had the baby i saw her again and she was pretty friendly and we talk now and like we're actually friends so before becoming a mom i probably would have just assumed this person and i did for a second right but i would have assumed this person is not nice she's like you know the typical girl who i wouldn't be friends with 
And then I wouldn't even like attempt to really interact with her again because I would just assume that it's not somebody that I would get along with. But being a mom's mom, I realized that perhaps there is a reason for the tone of voice that she originally presented with and essentially, you know, gave her another chance. I don't want to say it that way. That's like not, I don't know. That's not exactly what I mean. But when I saw her again, like I still said hi to her, you know, I wasn't forcing a friendship or anything like that, but I decided that she maybe had, you know, a, a legitimate reason for why she wasn't in a great mood when I had orig- like first spoken to her. And like I said, I was right. For whatever reason, this whole topic also reminds me of like Survivor. If any of you watch Survivor in the past few seasons, it always happens that at some point in the season, women come together and say, oh, we should have an all girls alliance, an all women's alliance. And I'm always like, oh, maybe it'll work this year. You know, I'm always thinking like, oh, will it work? And it never works. It's I at least I have not seen it. I'm not like a diehard Survivor fan. I haven't seen every single season or anything like that. But the ones that I have seen, I don't remember a time where the women's alliance actually stuck together. I don't know why that is, but what makes me wonder is why we as women feel the need to announce these things. Like why do we have to say let's have a girls alliance? The men definitely don't do that. Like, they have, I guess, you know, bro code or something, but men can just work together without announcing it like they're working together. I'm wondering why this is. We say, you know, oh, let's have this women's alliance. We say, you know, women supporting women, but you don't hear men saying, like, okay, men supporting men. Is it because there was a time in history where women were like secondary citizens, I guess. Like we didn't always have, you know, women's rights. Do we still somehow maybe like subconsciously feel like we are still secondary and that's why we have to stick together or like that's why we feel the need to announce it? Or maybe, again, subconsciously, perhaps we feel like men are stronger somehow you know more superior so with the idea of power in numbers we feel like you know we have to align with one another it's just you know just some thoughts that I'm having at this point I'm basically just thinking out loud but I would love your opinion you can always message me on instagram motion spot llc if you have any thoughts on this topic Or if you feel like I am completely coming out of left field and not making any sense, you can let me know that as well. But moving on from that, I am going back to work. So yes, I am working. I have been working. As you know, if you've been here, I did not really give myself a maternity leave where I stopped working after having my baby. I have still been running my business, but I've been doing it predominantly from home, only leaving the house to have meetings every now and then. And sometimes I'm even able to bring my baby with me to these meetings if they are outside the house. You know, it just depends on what kind of meeting it is. But tomorrow I'm actually going back in person to work. One of my therapists is out, so I'm going to be covering her caseload for her. 
and I am excited but also kind of nervous like I've left my baby before for a few hours at a time but never for work in this way so it feels different and it I'm definitely a bit nervous about that it feels a little like bittersweet you know to get out of the house for work but also leaving my baby I need to make sure I have enough milk and bottles ready for her I'm also wondering how I'm gonna pump or if I should just wear like a a cup the whole time so just interesting you know and I have to get everything ready kind of the night before so I think I'm gonna try my best to pack my bag tonight but you just never know how the morning is going to go even you know my usual mornings where I work from home after drop-off even those mornings like there is no way to predict exactly what might happen like usually my son wakes up at a particular time my daughter wakes up at a particular time but it's not always so I'm hoping that tomorrow morning will have more consistency somehow I'm hoping it'll be the typical morning but perhaps it won't be and we'll just see what happens we'll go with the flow luckily it is you know my company so if I'm a little later off schedule it will be okay but I'm seeing kids in a school so I also don't want to throw off the teachers or anything like that So it'll be an experience, but if you have any tips for me, please let me know. Again, LLC is the Instagram handle. How do you handle your uh, handle handle? Two different kinds of handle. If you work outside the house especially, how do you manage getting everything ready in the morning? Getting kids out the door and then getting yourself out the door and getting to your place of work more or less on time and not in a total hot mess express fashion that is what i am most curious about and then on top of working outside the house when i come home i'm still gonna have to do all of my usual work and at some point then also take care of my baby so it's gonna be a very busy day definitely different than my norm but i am excited i'm not nervous you know just more like eager I guess anticipating it but it should also be kind of fun just to have a change in the schedule which I really like doing. In more exciting news next week's episode of Midweek Mom Talk on 360 Talk Radio for Women I plan to have a speech language pathologist on the show specifically Deanna the manager or director of my speech department at Motion Spot Pediatrics. So make sure you tune in for that, especially if you have children who you think might have a speech-related need. She's going to be giving us different tips and advice and things that we can do to help our children learn and um, develop their speech language skills. We'll talk about the difference between speech and language development And I'm also going to ask questions that I'm curious about myself. I am an occupational therapist, so speech really is a new world for me. I'm learning a lot by working with her, but we really do two separate things. We treat in two separate areas of development. 
So highly recommend and hope you tune in for that interview. It should be very informative. If there is something particular that you have a question about or something that you want her to talk about a topic or anything, you can send us a message on our pediatrics Instagram page. That handle is Motion Spot Pediatrics. M-O-T-I-O-N-S-P-O-T Pediatrics P-E-D I-A-T-R-I-C-S. I also just realized I have to figure out what I'm going to wear tomorrow. Oh gosh, there is so much to do. I'm so not used to working outside the house. Next week, I'm going to be doing it twice as well. So we'll just see how it goes. I'll keep you all informed. I'll let you know. But in the meantime, if there is anything that you want me to discuss or any guests you want me to have on this show, please let me know if you have any OT-related questions or speech or PT-related questions. Send me an email. We do have virtual options available for some coaching sessions there. You can email info at motionspotllc.com. That's I-N-F-O, info, at M-O-T-I-O-N-S-P-O-T-L-L-C dot com. Alrighty, I'm going to go pump to make sure I have nice fresh milk for tomorrow. See if I can get some things situated while baby girl is sleeping. So I'm going to wrap it up for today. I hope you've appreciated this episode of Midweek Mom Talk on 360 Talk Radio for Women. And again, be sure to tune in next week where I will have Deanna, the speech therapist, on the show. Oh, baby girl is waking up. All right, that's all for now. Bye-bye.